homicide investigators called in to assist a missing persons case. Why they're zeroing in on Naomi Onotera's own home. Vaccine card enforcement. When we call uh, to get enforcement on those places, they typically respond quite quickly. The evolving system to make sure businesses comply with the rules. And a call for vaccine cards at hospitals, too. I cannot see why it is not necessary. Frontline workers concerned visitors don't have to show proof of vaccination. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news of a shooting in downtown Vancouver. Officers are on the scene at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel. That is where we find our Aaron MacArthur tonight. And Aaron, this apparently happened in the parkade of the building. Yeah, we're still trying to gather new information for as much information as we can for you here. But it appears the shooting took place in the parkade of the Pacific Rim Hotel and residences. Uh, judging by the badges and the vests being worn by, by the Vancouver Police Department here, this is a gangland shooting. Sources are telling Global News that this is a fatal shooting. There are several police officers here on the street blocking access to Canada Place. The forensic unit is here, but the scene largely appears to be contained down in the parkade. Two officers are stationed at the top of the ramp checking all of the vehicles that come out. Now, the VPD have yet to put out an official statement or respond to our requests for information, but we're asking whether the public is still at risk here, if the shooter is still active. All of those details are still to come, and when we have more information, we will update you with the very latest. All right, thanks for that. Aaron MacArthur reporting from downtown Vancouver on this developing situation. Aaron, thank you. Yet another major development in the search for a Langley teacher who's been missing for more than two weeks now. Homicide investigators have been called into the case of a 40-year-old, of 40-year-old, Naomi Onatera. Grace Key is live in Langley, and Grace, we've seen investigators spending a lot of the day searching Onatera's home. Yeah, we're just here on the corner of 200 Street and 50 Avenue. So next to me, we have Naomi's home. Difficult to see from the street level with the trees. Behind me, a very large police presence with a forensic team here throughout the day. From the air, you can see a forensics team concentrating on the front yard of Naomi Onatera's Langley home. Some in protective suits, white buckets are spotted off to the side. And on the ground, they're cutting back thick brush surrounding the property and digging. The integrated homicide investigation team is assisting Langley RCMP with what is still considered a missing persons investigation. The search right now is on her property. It may unfold uh, into her residence. It's truly to say right now it's in the initial stages and we are waiting to gather more information. Neighbors are uneasy not knowing what investigators will turn up. Is she there? Like I get very bad. I get goosebumps now. <laughs> is she down there? Or? Yeah. I don't know. Anatara's husband reported last seeing Naomi leaving their home on August 28th. The next day, her mother reported her missing. Friends say it's unusual for the 40-year-old mother and elementary school teacher to leave everything behind. Naomi was an absolute loving mother. Um, for her to go anywhere without her child is uncharacteristic. For her to go anywhere at night without a phone or her keys or anything else, um, a hike or a daytime walk is 
characteristic of her, but not something like this. Police released photos of Naomi's white 2018 Subaru Crosstrek with a Greater Vancouver Zoo sticker in the front window. They want to establish a timeline of her actions beginning on the 25th of August. This photo of Naomi was taken at Ikea on the day of her disappearance. IHIT says it's looking at Naomi's home as a starting place and cautions their presence is not an indication of criminality for anyone living here. Searches are very dynamic and it depends what we find and how the weather is and what sort of things are on the scene. So it could be several hours to the end of the day even. So it's still early, too early to assess right now. Yeah, still unclear exactly when they're going to be wrapping up. We did see uh, one police vehicle drive off just a few minutes ago, but at this hour, this area is still blocked off. Chris and Sophie? Grace Key and Langley. Thanks, Grace. Well, one of the most notorious murderers in B.C. history has been denied in his latest bid for freedom. David Shearing, who now goes by the name David Ennis, was convicted of killing six members of the same family back in 1982. As Romina Dea reports, family members of his victims have been devastated by the parole process and say he should never leave prison. I cried. Yes. Yes. That's what it was. And I cried. Like, it was like... You know, we, we, we did it. Thank you, you know, to everyone that helped. Shelley Bowden relieved. Her cousin's killer has been denied parole. But family and friends continue to be traumatized, reliving the horrific details once again. Not knowing that the monster was coming for them. It was the summer of 1982 when Janet Johnson, just 13, and her sister Karen, 11, were kidnapped from their tent in Wellsgrave Provincial Park while camping with their family. The girls tortured, raped, and held captive for six days by David Ennis, formerly David Shearing. Ennis, now 62, telling the parole board he attempted to subdue the girls with chains. They were crying. Bloody awful. So you don't want that kind of person out in your community. Like, that's just, no. Ennis admitted he stalked his victims to gain access to the girls. Parents, Bob and Jackie Johnson, grandparents, George and Edith Bentley, and the little ones, later discovered in their torched car. We miss them a lot. We miss everything about what they could have, would have been. 39 years after the murders, Ennis says he no longer struggles with violent sexual fantasies. He has been diagnosed with sexual sadism, inflicting pain, humiliation, fear to achieve sexual gratification. The killer, who has been married for 27 years, says he's sorry despite making numerous gains, including completing sex offender programming, the parole board denied day and full parole in the interest of public safety. It's unclear when Ennis might apply for escorted leave, which he can do at any time. It's not over. It's not over until he dies. We love them and we'll never stop the fight. Romina Dea, Global News. All right, now turning to the COVID-19 situation in our province. Here's a look at the latest numbers. We have 661 new cases today, nearly 5,800 active cases right now. 288 people are in hospital with 137 of those patients in the ICU. Seven more people have died, including a person in their 20s on Vancouver Island. And on the vaccination front, 78.6% of people aged 12 and older 
are now fully vaccinated. Keith Bald rejoins us live with some fresh data on the COVID cases in BC right now. Let's start with the numbers, Keith, which illustrate why vaccination is effective. Yeah, so we're about to cross a historic threshold. We're going to vaccinate our 4 millionth British Columbian either today or tomorrow. That's the good news. The bad news is there's still 643,000 British Columbians who have yet to get a single dose. So the Center for Disease Control released their weekly update today of data. And take a look at this. And this applies to unvaccinated people. This is the risk you run. You are 10 times more likely to be infected with COVID-19. You're 47 more times more likely to be hospitalized if you are infected. And you're nine times more likely to die if you get COVID-19 if you're unvaccinated. Other trends that are being picked up by the Center for Disease Control include that our case numbers remain high. However, they are leveling off in, in, uh, in most health authorities with the exception of the North in Health Authority, which continues to see an alarming spike in numbers. Also, hospitalizations are increasing everywhere except Vancouver Island by a large degree. And Vancouver Coastal became the first health authority to exceed 90% vaccination rate for a single dose. They're now at 90.6% by far the highest in BC. A couple numbers I'll leave you with though. Uh, again, troubling numbers with hospitalizations. We're averaging about 262 people a week are going into a hospital. Of those, about 82 of them are going into the ICU. So those are very uh, troubling numbers and hopefully they start declining. But right now we need those 643,000 people who have yet to be vaccinated to get that dose. We certainly do. All right, thanks for that, Keith. There are still a lot of questions about how businesses in B.C. are enforcing the vaccine card. Many establishments are visually checking the cards, but say they don't have the resources to actually scan the QR codes, which of course is crucial. And as Richard Zussman reports, those who are being asked to enforce the rules say they don't feel prepared. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. It has been used thousands of times, the B.C. vaccine card this time by B.C. Economic Recovery Minister Ravi Kalan and the province ready to crack down on those who don't follow the rules. Right now, um, bylaw officers uh, and if, if someone is being unruly, police uh, can help businesses if need be. But there lies the problem. The License Inspectors and Bylaw Officers Association of B.C. sending this statement. The provincial government has essentially mandated that bylaw officers assist through education with little to no communication or consultation with the association or local governments. Police also worried about their role, considering they have other issues to deal with. If things are uh, at that escalated level, it's going to be challenging for police to get there in any kind of a timely manner. We simply have too many calls for service. The government's official list for enforcement includes police, liquor and cannabis inspectors, gambling investigators, and conservation officers. Fines range for individuals from $230 for abusive behavior to $575 for attending a non-complying event. Businesses can get hit with a $2,300 ticket for breaking the rules. And with so many places requiring the vaccine card and limited resources, industries are taking matters into their own hands. The way we deal with that as an industry is I will call the inspectors on you. And the same thing with the other restaurant associations. Industry has no tolerance for people who are flagrantly violating the rules. For the industry, even more important than enforcement is financial support. Right now, they are happy they can do both scanning and visual checks. But if scanning becomes more important, they don't have the resources to do it. Now we're asking someone to use their personal device, which they've never been allowed to use in a business environment, in the business. And it's, it's legitimate that staff could ask for compensation for that, which we've been losing money or breaking even for 18 months. We don't have any resources to do that. 
and the Premier committed to helping businesses. Uh, here we are a couple of days into the new system. Uh, no help on the horizon for the businesses trying to do the right thing. The Liberals adding the dollars spent on scanning devices would far outweigh the cost, especially if people avoid going to hospital with COVID-19. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Another testy confrontation involving a person refusing to wear a mask on transit has been caught on video. In this video posted to social media, you can see a man refusing to wear a mask or leave the 401 Richmond bus. He's heard saying that he's not going to do anything against his health. Then he claims he had already been on several buses earlier that day and none of those drivers said anything to him at that time. Other passengers began shouting for him to leave. Then they eventually all left the bus when it became evident the man wasn't going to budge. Transit police say the man's blatant disregard for public safety is very concerning. Thankfully, um, the vast majority of people using public transit are abiding by the order and are wearing masks. But unfortunately, we do come across situations like this where you have that small group of people who just plain out uh, refuse to wear a mask. Anyone refusing to wear a mask on transit could face a fine of up to $115. This latest incident happened on a bus stopped at Number 3 Road and Westminster Highway. A critical care doctor would like to see proof of vaccination expanded to include hospital visits. Right now, it's only required for non-essential activities like visiting a restaurant, the gym, or going to a sports event. As Ted Chernecki reports, with staffing already at critically low levels, those who work in healthcare say they can't afford to lose more doctors and nurses to COVID. Of the very few public places in BC that still don't require proof of vaccination, you might not expect hospitals to be one of them. But visitors can walk in at any hospital after answering only a few non-vaccinated questions. We have to show a vaccine passport to go into a number of businesses and for a number of gatherings. And it would just nice, be nice to see uh, a similar level of concern for those people who work at the hospitals. He's concerned for the safety and well-being of the large crew of people that make a hospital work, be it respiratory and physiotherapists, registered dietitians, speech-language pathologists, and the list goes on. I'm concerned for the safety and well-being of uh, my work family, as it were. I'm also concerned about just a matter of respect for these people to show them the caring that we have for them, given all the work that they've done. We reached out to BC's health ministry as to why proof of vaccine does not apply to hospital visitors. By airtime, we had not received a response. Yes, the vast majority of staff is fully vaccinated, and all medical professionals must be by the end of October. But those vaccines aren't 100% effective, and they weaken over time. Staff know how to control risk in COVID areas of a hospital. It's much harder if unvaccinated visitors are wandering wherever. So any loss... Any further loss of uh, personnel would be absolutely catastrophic. We're, we're functioning with a skeleton crew as it, as it is right at the moment. For reasons he can't explain, screeners at the front desk of every hospital are not allowed to ask visitors if they've been vaccinated. They can ask if they've been out of province, if they're not feeling well, have any symptoms, but they can't ask for proof of vaccination. Ted Chernoky, Global News.
Another shot across the bow for Canada's struggling cruise ship industry. An Alaskan senator adds to the crisis by introducing U.S. legislation that could cost B.C. billions in tourism dollars. How the industry is reacting next on the News Hour. A 40-year-old cold case in the Yukon with ties to New Jersey. How at least one part of the mystery was solved later on the news hour. And a local artist breaking records with his one-of-a-kind portraits of famous people. That's later on the news hour. Right now, though, the province's stalled cruise ship industry is facing yet another threat and fears about whether Alaska-bound ships will ever return to B.C. ports. As Kylie Stanton reports, the political wheels are in motion to allow cruise ships to bypass Canadian ports permanently. Normally, uh, we'd be seeing, you know, thousands of passengers coming off of the terminal. Instead, windows are papered over, doors are locked, not a soul in sight. Yeah, very different than what we've seen uh, back in 2019, which seems like a long time ago. Back then, BC's cruise ship industry was generating $1.33 billion a year, supporting more than 17,000 jobs, resulting in $2.72 billion in economic impact. Thank you. These were the pre-pandemic good old days. But once again, there's growing concern if new legislation passes south of the border. We may never get them back. We need to take this very, very seriously. The Passenger Vessel Services Act, or PVSA, that was amended back in the spring to temporarily allow cruise ships to bypass closed Canadian ports and instead make consecutive U.S. stops, is now on the verge of a permanent reform. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski has announced a bill expected to be introduced next week, saying, I want to make sure Alaskans do not have to worry about another government shutting down their business. It comes just days after Congressman Don Young announced he too was introducing a bill that would allow cruises to bypass Canada permanently. I think the most important thing is that uh, governments here in Canada remain engaged Uh, and recognize that we are in a competitive environment. But for now, the Premier is banking on the BC stops being a big enough draw for passengers. I'm confident that we have a lot to offer in British Columbia and that we're going to promote that to the best of our ability. The opposition calling the response dangerously dismissive. I think it's uh, unbelievably irresponsible to just cross your fingers and hope that somehow it works out. Cruising is set to resume here in Canada in 2022. But what it will look like if the temporary laws become status quo? It's pretty quiet right now. Well, there's real fear. It could be a lot like this. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Canada's inflation rate has spiked again, rising to its highest level in 18 years. John Waugh tells us which consumer costs have increased the most and whether the soaring inflation might affect interest rates. At Karcher Brothers, it's all about the premium cuts. But that now comes at an increased cost. Basically, the supply chain from uh, raw material to ingredients to freight, Everything has increased. That sharp increase ultimately taking a chunk out of their bottom line. To limit the impact on our customers, uh, we have um, basically lowered our margins and profitability just so it doesn't impact our customers. Not just food, the cost of everything seems to be on the rise. It's easy to find people feeling the pinch in their pocketbook. Generally, overall, everything seems to be creeping up a little bit. The pressure they feel confirmed by the staggering spike in inflation something that hasn't been seen in nearly two decades. We're looking across all the 
all the goods right now. And it is a, is a broad-based increase. Pain at the pumps could be felt due to a 32.5% increase in gasoline prices compared to last year. When we look at uh, the types of goods, largely gasoline has been a key driver of the, of the 4.1% gain that we saw. The price of new homes, one of the key drivers of the rising rate of inflation. Up 14.3% in August, year over year. The largest increase since September 1987. some point along the line, wages do have to go up because if everything else is going up, it's probably why we see homeless rates going up. Anyone hoping to sit down and take a break from the financial stress hopefully don't need a new couch with furniture seeing an 8.7% increase. At some point, it's going to kind of iron itself out, uh, and you will see some of them, and some of these prices may even fall as we go forward. But at the very least, that pace of growth is going to slow. For now, the Bank of Canada is holding firm, connecting the rise to reopenings out of the COVID-19 pandemic, which will eventually settle. In the meantime, businesses and consumers will continue to find ways to cut and save to financially survive. John Hua, Global News. Up next, enticing deals you might want to avoid. They deferred the problem to later. The buy now, pay later schemes that can quickly spiral out of control. Also tonight, great news for those struggling with type 2 diabetes. Good evening. Traffic is steady over here at the Patello Bridge in both directions with just some minor delays southbound down McBride through the Queen's Park stretch on the approach. From home to car insurance, BCAA's local experts are here for all your insurance needs. Visit BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Buy now, pay later plans are growing in popularity among the younger generation, especially for online shopping. Deferring does seem enticing, doesn't it? But the trend doesn't come without risks. Consumer Matters reporter Andrea joins us with more on what you need to know. And Thanks, Chris. Installment plans are nothing new. Traditionally, they've been used for big-ticket items like furniture or appliances. Now they're targeting more tech-savvy users for online purchases. And if you don't make the payments on time, the late fees and interest charges can really add up. The Better Business Bureau says buy now, pay later installment services are being offered to high school and college students for anything from electronics to shoes. Many retailers, including the Bay, Browns, and Bed Bath & Beyond, for example, are advertising options for interest-free payments. With Sezzle, users can shop at thousands of online stores, then split their order into four payments over six weeks. Often, a third-party financing company makes money by charging retailers a small percentage of each sale made through financing options and by collecting late fees and interest from customers. Apple and fintech lender Paybrite also just launched a buy now, pay later program for device purchases in Canada, allowing people to pay for iPhones, Macs and iPads over 12 to 24 months. It's either a false sense of security or even a false sense of hope um, that it, it causes someone to believe that they can afford something that they truly can. They deferred the problem to later and um, the problem still comes up in, in that they weren't able to afford it in the beginning and oftentimes they're still not able to afford it either when the payments begin. I've seen interest rates charged with close to or upwards of, of 30%. That information is going to be recorded in your credit report and if you're having issues with making those payments then it could in turn impact your credit score. 
And you don't want that to happen. So when considering a buy now, pay later purchase, remember to always read the fine print. Educate yourself on the terms and conditions. Ask yourself, is this something I really need now or can it wait? And if you're unsure, I like this one, sleep on it. Mm -hmm. And if you do decide to pay for an item with installments, consider it a loan and don't forget to make the payments. If you fall behind or miss payments, the Credit Counseling Society says that could turn into a debt forwarded to a collection agency and could impact your credit score down the road. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Very well. Thanks very much, Ann. New research that could be a game changer for those with type 2 diabetes. Getting that balancing act right was the hardest thing. Coming up, the startling results of a study that transformed the lives of patients. Also, Canadian and American experts team up for a breakthrough that might help solve a 40-year-old murder mystery. Your country, your choice. All the candidates, all the issues. All the information you need to navigate the 2021 federal election. Make an informed decision, Canada. Watch, listen, and follow Global News. Good evening. Seeing some delays here in Burnaby because of a three-car crash southbound on Golarty, just south of Lougheed Highway with crews on scene. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Burnaby. Sentencing has been handed down for a former Vernon school teacher convicted of sex crimes against young boys. 40-year-old Anoop Sinclair will spend three and a half years behind bars for incidents that happened nearly 20 years ago. The Crown was seeking five to seven years. Defence sought a conditional sentence. Claire was found guilty of sexually touching a person under the age of 14 and sexual assault with a weapon. The offences occurred before he became a teacher. He resigned when the allegations came to light. Canadian and American police have solved at least part of a 40-year mystery and identified a man whose remains were found in the Yukon back in 1983. They're now asking for help finding out who killed him. Police say the remains found near Dawson City are those of 46-year-old Theodore Frederick Kampf, an American from New Jersey who arrived in the Yukon in 1981. Police believe he was likely killed shortly after that. His family reported him missing and the remains were found two years later. Kampf was identified through an extensive investigation involving more than a dozen Canadian and American agencies and Kampf's family. Police say they believed he was murdered in July of 1981, and they're asking anyone who might know anything to come forward. Another busy day for the federal leaders today as Election Day approaches. They are pushing their platforms while taking shots at one another. As Global's Miranda Anfissel reports, the Liberals are being criticized for holding a crowded event while the Tories and NDP are getting grilled on their candidates' behavior. At a campaign rally Tuesday night in Brampton, Ontario, hundreds of supporters packed into a room to hear Liberal Party leader Justin Trudeau speak, including former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, who was seen doing interviews without a mask. Trudeau is coming under fire for the event, but defends holding it. We followed all public health guidelines around capacity, uh, around people in the room. Justin Trudeau held an event in a packed room in contempt of common sense and social distancing guidelines. 
The leaders continue to take shots at one another on the ability to lead. Former Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion endorsed Trudeau at Tuesday's event, but also criticized his election call, a decision he hasn't been able to leave behind. People need to be making a choice now because the decisions that their government makes in the coming weeks will dictate not just how we end this pandemic, for example, through vaccinations, but will dictate how we move forward as a country. We're not your dad's Conservative Party anymore. In Saguenay, Quebec, Conservative leader Erin O'Toole says his priority is building an inclusive and progressive party. But he was questioned why several candidates who have spread misinformation are still welcome in it. I am a new leader with a new style. From my first speech, I've welcomed all Canadians to take a second look at the Conservative Party. From all backgrounds, from all walks of life. The New Democrats are facing their own challenges with candidates' behaviour. Two NDP hopefuls made anti-Semitic comments online and resigned of their own accord. Leader Jagmeet Singh was pressed on why he didn't oust them from the party himself. They made the decision and I support them in that decision. I think it's the right decision. Uh, in addition, they're, they're talking about the importance of getting training. Anti-Semitism is real. Campaigning in southwestern Ontario, Singh stood outside a Rivera long-term care home, one of Canada's largest long-term care operators, pledging to end for-profit LTC homes. I'm not suggesting it's easy, but we can work with provinces and territories. We can use the Canada Health Act or another act that applies the same principles that we've agreed upon, that care should be publicly delivered, it should be universal. Miranda Anthesol, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a UBC study is providing some encouraging news for anyone who's dealing with type 2 diabetes, especially if they live in a smaller community. After 12 weeks on a low-calorie, higher-protein diet supervised by a pharmacist in their community, researchers found more than a third of participants were able to get off their diabetes medications altogether. The study found that a change in diet can be a key tool in reversing the disease. The first two weeks was hell. <laughs> uh, just my body adjusting to completely cutting out alcohol, not a drop, no sugar, very limited and, and, and programmed carbohydrates, and then protein and fresh vegetables. The study found that pharmacists can play a key role in supervising the treatment program because in many cases, diabetics often visit their local drugstore more often than their doctor's office. So simple yet so effective. Yes. Just ahead, big changes at Grouse Mountain. The new gondola is intended to reduce wait times, reduce lineups. How a new gondola could greatly improve the trip to the top. And coming up in sports, the secret to the BC Lions' success early on in the season. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. And liftoff for the first privately funded space flight with an all-civilian crew making history, blasting off from the Kennedy Space Center. The SpaceX rocket will orbit Earth three times before splashing down in the Atlantic. Yeah, earlier today, the crew made their way to the rocket. Billionaire Jared Isaacman, who paid for the mission, and three private citizens he chose to join him. It's the debut flight of SpaceX owner Elon Musk's new orbital tourism business. 
The amount Isaacman paid hasn't been disclosed, but has been estimated to be $200 million. Isaacman commissioned the flight mainly to raise awareness and support for one of his favorite causes, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Tennessee. And he apparently donated $100 million That's right, to that, that cause as well. Part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right. Uh, They did get a little glimpse of the sunrise, too, while they were up there, which was amazing. And um, I can't remember. I missed that this morning, but certainly we might get a decent sunset tonight. There's Christy with the details. Yes, absolutely, Chris. I mean, we're seeing beautiful clear skies right now, so it should be a gorgeous sunset. Blustery, though, earlier today. All of the concerns for winds, though, have now eased off, although there's a couple of hundred people that are still without power. Here, look at the peak wind gusts. We're talking about 50 to 60 kilometers an hour, mainly through the Strait of Georgia. And for the areas along uh, the Metro Vancouver area, it really was near the water that we saw the strongest winds, not as much inland, and that's really where we saw the power outages as well. Now we turn our attention to rainfall everyone so this is fall this is the start of the fall season and yes we're expecting heavy rain not rain warning criteria it's just a special weather statement but because it's the first significant rainfall that we're going to see we're talking about 30 to 50 millimeters so tomorrow's going to look really nice but we're talking about thursday night friday that we'll see that heavy rain and here's the reason why so enjoy the sunshine today and tomorrow because this is headed our way friday's going to be soaking wet and much cooler as well So tomorrow we'll see highs in the sunshine of about 18 degrees near seasonal values across many regions. But the temperatures will plummet on Friday with highs reaching only about 14 degrees. So a huge change on Friday, that's for sure. The kids will definitely need their rain slickers as they're heading to school, maybe some rain boots as well. Into the weekend, we continue with unsettled weather. We are going to stay cooler as well, and it looks like we'll remain cooler with cloud and unsettled conditions right through until next week as well. Tonight's central window's weather. Weather window is from the Fraser Valley, uh, Fraser River area, where Cindy got a number of uh, people lined up fishing. She said it was a great day, day for fishing. That's right near the Matsqui Park area. So thanks so much, Cindy. They're all very physically, socially distanced too. <laughs> thanks. Prevents tangled lines. That's yeah, that's sure. a good point. <laughs> Added benefit. All right, thanks, Christy. The peak of Vancouver has unveiled plans for a new $35 million gondola to get you up there. As Kamil Karamali reports, Grouse Mountain is looking to replace its old blue tram with a ride that would whisk a 1,000 guests an hour from the bottom to the top. This is what the cabins for Grouse Mountain's new proposed gondola will look like. Honestly, it's needed. 13 towers transporting 27 cabins, each one able to carry eight people, going from the base to the peak in five and a half minutes. The new gondola is intended to reduce wait times, reduce lineups. We'll begin by... The District of North Vancouver is holding public consultation meetings starting this week on the proposed new gondola. For years, the mountain was serviced by two lines. The blue tram, which opened in 1966, and the red tram that began service 10 years later. Now, with the blue tram on its last legs, it's only used to transport equipment. At Grouse Mountain, there was a two-hour wait to board the Sky Ride. Leaving the red Sky Ride jam-packed with skiers and snowboarders during most peak seasons, with 900 people transported every hour. 
The proposed new gondola would replace the blue tram and ease some of the congestion on the red sky ride. The addition of this new gondola system will allow us to go back to our original capacity when we had both the blue tram and red tram working. Some who frequent the mountain are on board with the second line that would give them a little more room to breathe. You feel very um, crowded and like a can of sardines. But others here, like Rob Spooner, arguing it's not necessary most of the year. No. I don't know that an additional one's going to do any uh, any good, no. Why is that? Um, it, it's kind of redundant, in my opinion. And some more concerned about the environmental impact of new towers being propped up. That would be my, my biggest con for it, would just be the devastation of the environment. Public consultations continue until September 27th with the projected gondola opening date of December 2023. Kamal Karamali, Global News. And if we ever fulfill our pledge to hike the grouse grind, we can try that out. Won't be long now. I, I, I just have a feeling. It's imminent. <laughs> next summer, next summer. Well, if they have a nice tram, let's just take that up to the <laughs> That's top. That's a good point. Uh, Why walk through the bush when you could ride in comfort? <laughs> nice. I knew that would be your idea, Squire. What's coming up in sports? Uh, Michael Riley has good control of the BC Lions offense, but apparently not as good control with his teammates. Uh, for the defense. Hey, I'm trying to do an interview here. <laughs> DBs, you know. Well, his own defensive backs might rattle him, but other teams' defensive backs are not. Also ahead, some people sound like a broken record. Others look like one. Coming up, the BC artist turning old vinyl into art. All right, Squire's here with sports. What's happening, Squire? Well, we'll start with baseball. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays are holding a rather sizable lead atop the American League East Division. So the only way into the playoffs for the likes of Toronto, the Yankees, and Boston, who are also in the American League East, is through the wild card route. But that door is only big enough for two teams, and all three started the day in a virtual tie. And the Jays had the tough task of dealing with Tampa for the third straight game. But unlike last night, when Toronto got shut out by Tampa, the Blue Jays bought, make that brought their bats this afternoon. Vladimir Guerrero wearing number 21 in honor of Roberto Clemente. The late, great Roberto Clemente, that was his number. Guerrero in the first, off the wall by the Nike sign. Now there's men on second and third for Bo Bichette. One, two again. Bo goes long. Three nothing for the Jays, just like that. How about Rob Ray on the mound? Thirteen strikeouts. When your offense is cooking and your pitchers are doing that, you're going to make the playoffs. Bichette. Speed, speed. Got there. Drove in another run. Five-one now for the Jays. Then Teoscar Hernandez. Guerrero's coming around. 
Probably didn't have to slide, but it's a lot more spectacular when you score that way. 6-3, the Jays win over Tampa. Should mention that Boston beat Seattle 9-4. So, Boston and the Jays both win. What about the Yankees? Gio Urshela hits a two-run homer here to take a 2-0 lead over Baltimore tonight. But the Orioles have just scored two on an Austin Hayes home run. And it's 3-2 Baltimore in the eighth. Well, the one thing we have seen in the CFL after a full year off is defenses seem to be ahead of offenses. But there are exceptions, like the BC Lions offense. Now, they just had two straight games against Ottawa, which is the worst team in the league. But just the same, even without much of a running game so far, the Lions passing attack has made this offense one of the CFL's best. The Lions offense has been so good that quarterback Michael Riley has been filling his house with Player of the Week and Player of the Month awards. But it's certainly not solely because of him. You're welcome, Mike. (laughs) There's something to be said about that, so I can't argue it. Think of the Lions set of receivers like you would a smorgasbord and think of Riley filling his plate with everything available. Unlike some quarterbacks, he's not dialed in with one main guy. We're becoming multi-dimensional even more so than we have been in the past, which makes it harder for defenses, which is great. Keeps everybody involved on the offense, which is also great when you have as many good players as we do. Yeah, just a bunch of playmakers everywhere. And uh, not just that, it's a bunch of guys who who love being around each other. Um, We love playing the game together. It's been awesome, man. It's just been good. Chemistry's been great. playmakers all across the board it doesn't matter the lions have improved their point total in each of their last four games so they're obviously not at peak performance just yet but the question is how good can they be when they do get to 100 percent oh the sky's the limit i think we scored 45 last game and uh still wasn't completely happy with the way we played left a lot out there um you know i was thinking we, we could have put up 60 and it's not about the opponent that's about us that's that's our confidence in ourselves and, and things we can do um, as individuals and as a team champions league Lionel messi of course now member of paris saint germain not a great day for them mbappe had to leave on the limp with some sort of an injury this goal though andre herrera gives a psg a one nothing lead in the 15th minute however hans vonkinen or vonikin make that will tie it for Club Brugge of Belgium. That's a shock, a 1-1 draw. Not as big a shock as the young boys beating Man United yesterday, but it's still a bit of a surprise. PSG was the better team in this game, but 1-1 was the final. There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Just ahead, the local artist smashing records to make his masterpieces. That's next. Like that's how it all started. Are you a cheese? You went to a fromagerie? Is that what you call it? I, actually I just went to a place with a lot of cheese. Is this um, how you stumbled upon this story? Yes, as a matter of fact, it was. I was at the cheese shop. And it's like, hmm, I like this cheese. And then I went outside, and while I was admiring the cheese, I saw a gallery. And then I admired some pieces of art that I'd never seen before. So I thought, why not share it with everybody? Here we go. <laughs> we have found out that sports is not the only realm where it's good to break records. Breaking records is also good for the world of art, or at least the art Rob Eubles makes. Are you the only one in the world doing this? 
I don't know of anybody else. I started, gosh, what was it, 2014? After making this piece for his wife, Brandy, which features records and labels of famous albums from the 80s, he saw a vision in the leftover pieces. A vision of Elvis. I saw an Elvis nose and an eyebrow and an eye, and I just went from there. What is that? That could be like an eyebrow? Oh, it could be a... Could be a could be a sideburn. Oh yeah, it could be a sideburn. <laughs> so now there isn't an artist Rob can't envision or make with his stash of records. And we should mention, he's not busting up classic albums here. Almost, I would say 99% of the albums that I do break are either unwanted of bands you don't know. The one piece that I actually do break that I am never happy about is the label. So all of these are just obscure records. It doesn't matter what they are. These, This is the, the label. So I actually had to break a Thriller record, um, and that's hard. What hasn't been hard is getting people to love his work all over the world. He mainly takes commissions, but when it comes to requests, some artists get more than others. Uh, Bob Marley and Sinatra. I get a lot of Sinatra requests. They usually like the one with a hat. Some sort of hat has to be involved, but yeah. yeah. Uh, there's some that I I, uh, I do not like doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> very hard. hard. Uh, a I did a two David Bowies. What makes it David was just Bowie? it was just really detailed and and it was hard. Rob's work combines his two greatest passions: music. This is my first album from when I was a kid. Right here, Queen, the game, nice. and art which, as you can see, is also appreciated by his brother-in-law, Michael Buble. Art and music, there's, there's no boundaries. Language, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter how old you are, people can connect through music and art. That's basically what kept me going, and the fact that I saw when people saw it, and they stand back and they would go, wow, you did that with records? Yeah, no, it's and right. then they would look and, and, and just stare at it, mm -hmm. and I just loved that. Oh, cool. RobUbels.com if you want to see what he's got. Maybe contact him if you want to commission your favorite artist to be done in broken records. You hey. smash records to make art. That's a smashed piece. A smash. Pick it up. Very good. And Pick it up. Use that one. on that note, what kind of cheese was it, Squire? <laughs> just old cheddar. I'm not a fancy guy. I just like my cheddar old. I hope it was Red Leicester or something like that at least. All right, final. It's the only cheese I know, by the way. Red Lester. I went to school with that guy. <laughs> final word on the weather. I thought that was a game. No, that's Red Rover. Okay, anyway, Christy. <laughs> All right. So clear tonight, another great day tomorrow, but by Thursday night, everyone is soaker across the region. So I really hope you can use tomorrow while you can. <laughs> Get the rubber boots. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night. Good night, all.